This is the Firearms Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 19, published on January 11th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today's topic is becoming a published author. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites, the best sites in any light and made in the USA. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Elite Survival Systems. Our students look to us for recommendations for top quality gear, and I have no problem recommending Elite Survival Systems gear. They offer a lifetime guarantee, and most of their products are made here in the USA, helping employ U.S. workers. I use the Guardian EDC backpack and have found it to be one of the most versatile backpacks I've ever used. Plenty of room inside, and the laser cut molly on the front and back allow attachment of plenty of additional gear. And that's on top of the space inside for a tablet and additional EDC gear. Their motto is, don't just survive, thrive. Visit EliteSurvival.com to see their complete lineup of quality products. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fireman instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by John Petrolino. Welcome, John. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, uh, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, really appreciate you making time. This is the second time you've been on the podcast, and uh, you've always got some really good information uh, for us. But in case our listeners missed you on your first episode, episode 97, can you give the listeners a little bit of your background? Um, what brings you, what you do in the firearm industry? So, I mean, I kind of uh, stumbled into this world. Um, you know, I was I'm not going to say I grew up with firearms in my hands per se. I'm from Jersey. So, the atmosphere here is a little bit different than it is in other areas of the country, but I did grow up hunting and being involved in shooting sports through the hunting activities, as well as the Boy Scouts. And um, when I went to college, I did end up on the, the rifle team for one of the seasons that, was, that I was there. And um, subsequent to all that as an adult, I um, got heavily involved in, you know, handguns and, you know, firearms and started taking classes and things like that. And I was taking, um, I was taking a class with my brother-in-law and, uh, at the end of the class, <laughs> you know, he was not experienced at all. And I, I had some experience shooting, uh, obviously by that point. And, um, by the end of the class, he was shooting in the dirt. And I said, you know what, there has to be a better way to teach this. I don't understand why, you know, <laughs> he's paying money to take a class and end up not being able to get on paper, which to me as an instructor is always a goal to get my student on paper, at least so we could see what they're doing. So after we had uh, taken that class, I'd said, you know what, I'm going to give a crack at this. And um, that's when I decided to take up a. Uh, the um, NRA basic uh, instructor training class and basic pistol instructor. And from there, it kind of just snowballed out of, uh, out of control, <laughs> as you can uh, mm -hmm. attest to, as it tends to do that. And uh, so uh, I've been doing the instructor thing for a number of years as a side hustle. And, uh, you know, it's not my, my primary form of income. So it's just something that I do because I love to do it. And I primarily teach a lot of people for the local gun club. They have a, um, a training requirement that needs to be fulfilled for you to join. So I have a class that's tailor made to fit their needs over there. And uh, after teaching over there for a while, I had uh, you know my own syllabus for this class that I was working on. And uh, I said, you know, I wanted to get together a, a handout, something that I could give to my students that they could, you know, t take back with them home and reference. And uh, so I started to draft, uh, you know, an outline on what I thought was important for um, new firearm owners or, you know, just people that are going to be conscientious of firearm safety to, uh, to focus on. And 
once I got through with my outline and started working on it, my project turned into a full book, which is Decoding Firearms, which you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a 266 page, you know, book about uh, basic firearm safety. And I tried to go soup to nuts on uh, discussing the function of uh, as many firearms as possible as well as all of the safety rules and the ins and outs there and um, other places to get information. So I have that book going and that's kind of my, uh, my journey as a, as a shootist and kind of as a instructor in a, in short. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate you sharing your knowledge because that ties right into what our topic is uh, this week. And that is, you know, kind of peeling back covers of how John Petrolino uh, became this published author that did your own book that you write regularly for some of the major um, news outlets in the 2A community. And, you know, if people recognize the name, that's because you're on Bearing Arms, because you're on a lot of different places with a lot of various uh, articles, I believe. You were saying in the pre-show that you're up at 200 articles published in 2020 so far. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 2021. This year, oh, I've 2021. Done, yeah, yep. Uh, this year, I've pr I probably have done in the neighborhood of 200 pieces. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's yeah. it's definitely up there for sure. Um, and so the the writing thing, what's it's it's kind of interesting because the 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 joke of this is it's taken me you know over 20 years to become an overnight success so when when you talk about writing that's a that's a whole different animal and i i've been involved in the in the writing thing like i said for about 20 years maybe more 21 years and um any type of writing involves just regular writing baggage. And, you know, what is that writing baggage? The, the writing baggage is uh, you're going to hear a lot of weird cliche things from established writers. And they're going to say, you know, write what you know. So, well, you know, why wouldn't I write about what I don't, you know, well, why would I write about what I know? Of course, I'm going <laughs> to write about what I know, but say, you know, write what you know. Okay. That's, that's great advice. Thank you. And then, uh, <laughs> Um, you, you know, other things that are really helpful are, uh, you're not going to get published until you've been published. It's like, well, that's great. Well, how the hell am I going to get published if mm -hmm. I've never been published and you're telling me I'm not going to get published unless I'm published. So, uh, there's like a lot of like double speak and, uh, you know, <laughs> with this whole world of, of writing. And of course there's, um, you know, all kinds of different, you know, just like shooting disciplines, right? There's different uh, concentrations in writing. And I was actually uh, heavily involved in the literature scene to, to give you some layers of the onion uh, that I'm, I'm pretty sure you didn't know, Rob. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I was involved in, in creative writing and specifically a lot of poetry. So I have, uh, you know, two books of poetry out that, you know, I self-published the first one. The second one was under uh, uh, an imprint that somebody, you know, I helped launch their imprint with them. And, uh, but, but that was my scene for the better part of the 2000s, the early 2000s, up through maybe 2010 to 20, even 11 and 12, I was still heavily involved in and the poetry scene on the creative writing end of things um, and, and really honing my craft. I mean, I'm still doing fiction and um, you know, some journalistic pieces as well here and there, but by the time I would say 2011, 2012 rolled around, I had over a hundred articles, reviews and essays, you know, published uh, and poems. And to, you know, it's, it's, it was kind of a big deal at the time. But that whole, um, you know, get published, you have to be published to get published thing. I, I was finding a lot of truth in that because I would sit there and I would submit work to editors. And there was, uh, 
you know, I don't know if it's still around. I'm pretty sure it's mostly online now, but you can used to be able to go to the bookstore and get something called writer's market. And it was a, you know, a phone book sized book with just different publications. Now, of course, this is all literature. So um, it's different than the second amendment stuff, but it's, it's relevant. What's relevant about it is it's still writing and you would go through and you would pick these different publications to submit to. And uh, the, the, the key to writer's market was it would kind of give you the, the guidelines. This is what the editors are looking for. This is how you can get um, review copies. This is uh, where you would send your work off to. Of course, when I started writing, you know, email, yeah, that was a thing, but I also mailed out like a ton of transcripts, things like that. We were still doing a lot, a lot of stuff by post, believe it or not. And uh, I just started getting piles and piles of rejection letters, you know, if I got letters at all, you know, you know, sometimes you don't even get get a reply. And, and that's no different than 2021. You send off an email, you might not get a reply to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was getting very, very frustrated and I wanted to do something with my work. I didn't really know what, and the, the um, self-publishing scene, which that's been around for like years, people always talked about like the Vantage press, right? Okay. So Vantage Press would be somebody that uh, you know gets their manuscript together, and then you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to have this book published for you. Well, back in you know probably in the neighborhood of the mid two thousands, like two thousand five, two thousand six, definitely by oh seven and oh eight, when I was doing this, when I got started. Um, was publish on demand. So that allows you to, um, you know, basically put together an entire manuscript, upload it, and then um, your overhead is, is zero. And, and the way it would work is if, if Rob wants to get a copy of my book, Rob would go online, he'd order the book, they would print it, bind it, and ship it. And that's the technology that's actually dominating uh, quite a, quite a bit now. I mean, it's not everything. You still have your traditional publishers, but it allows people like me and you uh, the opportunity to get get our work out there, and it's either going to sink or swim on its own merits. So it was after I had um, self published a book in I want to say 2007 2008 that I had uh, met a, a guy that had his own underground magazine. And he used to print these things on a photocopier in his basement <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it hand them out for free or whatever at events and things like that. And he and I got to talking and he's like, Oh, you, you've got a book. I says, yeah. He's like, Oh, that's really great. He's like, Oh, you got a magazine. That's really great. He goes, yeah. So uh, I said, Hey, you, you want any work for your, for your magazine? And he's like, Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. And, you know, anyhow, we, we ended up striking up a friendship and he had published my first piece. It was a poem that was already in, in my book. So it's, uh, it was nothing super fresh or anything like that. And then after I had gotten that, you know, previously published in this magazine, uh, when I submitted to other places, they started saying, oh, you know, this guy's been published by this magazine already. And uh, I started, that's when I started to really get things published. Um, and again, that's talking about, you know, the creative writing thing. So that was my, my journey was through that world to get to where I am. And of course, um, when, when you talk about writing as a craft, it's, it's not easy. And I have dealt with writers on both ends of the spectrum, whether it's creative writing or technical writing, or even writing about politics. I mean, you see, I write a lot about politics, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, it takes work and it takes, um, practice. And so like, that's more advice that, you know, you might get from these sage old writers that have been published before. He says, well, you need to, 
you know, keep writing and writing and writing and writing. And so I, obviously, if you're going to be a writer, you would keep writing. That makes mm-hmm. sense, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, just like I'm going to write what I know. Well, I'm not going to write about stuff that I don't know, uh, you know. Uh, so, um, and as you journey along, you're gaining this experience and, and, and whatnot. Uh, for me, um, what what kind of had happened was I got pushed, not that I got pushed out of the creative writing community as much as I kind of just walked away from it um, because I was finding um, some of the people, not all of them, but a good majority uh, were very hostile to my views on like liberties. So things that I behold to be, you know, holy or um, very similar to what, if I had to sit down and lay down ideologies that I subscribe to, uh, you know, Rob, you and I are going to have many similarities in the way we think, because we're, you know, liberty minded people that mm-hmm. believe in things like the constitution and the bill of rights. And it's not, we don't believe in just portions of the bill of rights or portions of it. We said, it's all important, you know, first amendment, second amendment, and so on. And uh, so I kind of just drifted away from the, the creative writing, you know, scene, um, you know, mostly because I didn't, you know, uh, quite appreciate the the viewpoints that people would have on basically on politics. It's like, well, why do we even have to let politics get into here? Well, you know, writing is it can be especially creative writing is going to be very charged emotionally and very charged, you know, politically speaking on what, what you decide to put on the page. So it just, um, I kind of just walked away from that scene. Well, that's uh, about the same time that I was leaning towards um, really getting into firearms again. And and I was not to say surrounded by firearms my whole life, but you know, I remember hunting as a child in elementary school and I remember all of that stuff. So pretty much, yes, I was, around firearms and, and, and the shooting activities for the, the gross majority of my life. And it just wasn't until, like I said, as an adult that it took off for me to where we are today. Um, so I got involved in, uh, in the shooting sports more and more. And this is where things changed for me as far as writing and thinking about what I wanted to write about and how I wanted to deal with all that was there was a advertisement and I don't remember if it was on a social media site or where it was. I saw there was a website that was soliciting for people um, to be writers. So uh, I'm not going to name the website because the, (laughs) the relationship that it really blossomed the way I would have intended, you know, would have liked it to. And uh, not that there's bad blood there, but there's just no blood there. Uh, but anyhow, there was a, an advertisement and this one website was starting to kick off that they wanted to have articles incorporated into what they were doing. And this is all Second Amendment related stuff. So I reached out to the, you know, to the owner and editor and, uh, you know, he and I chatted back and forth via email. And he had said, uh, well, what would you want to write about? And uh, at this point, it was uh, it was 2015, and it was when um, Steve Sweeney, now I don't know if that name rings a bell to you or not. It might after a couple of minutes here. Steve Sweeney was um, being brought up for a recall election, and we were trying to get him thrown out of office. And uh, I said, well, I want to write about that. And uh, for those of you listening that say, hey, that name does sound familiar. Steve Sweeney is um, the current New Jersey Senate president, uh, but he's not going to be the Senate president much longer because in the new year, uh, he has to step aside because he got defeated in the election. And I don't know if you've heard the story about um, Ed, the trucker, 
because Ed Durr. Mm-hmm. So Ed Durr is the uh, fellow that's here in Jersey that uh, ran against Sweeney and, um, you know, got him knocked out of office. And uh, it was kind of a big upset for some of the people that are left of center. They weren't seeing it coming. And, you know, Ed Durr completely, uh, you know, annihilated him. So that's a great Vic. Go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say, gonna and I believe he had spent something like $250 of his own money to um, get registered for the elections and everything, everything else beyond that was took off like wildfire compared to the million dollars that Sweeney paid uh, or, or spent on his campaign. Yeah. Something like that. I believe Ed, um, and I haven't talked to Ed. I would love to talk to Ed. So, um, I have talked, uh, you know, towards him <laughs> and he's responded, but I, we, we haven't had a, any FaceTime yet. I definitely want to get a chance to talk to Ed, um, especially cause he's here in my state and, uh, kind of a shining beacon, uh, that even in New Jersey, you know, the populist movement and, you know, can, can win, um, people are tired of some of the garbage here. And I believe that. The, the money that he did spend out of his own pocket uh, was for things like donuts and coffee. I, t- I think that's what, <laughs> I think that's what his budget was, you know, donuts and coffee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, no million, no, you know, thousands of dollars in TV ads or anything else like that. So yeah, I, I'm here in Ohio and heard a little bit about it, but I'm sure the details are probably even more fascinating because you got somebody who, uh, Probably was. I mean, he he wanted to challenge him, but I don't think he really thought he stood a chance to win until that night, and all of a sudden started seeing everything rolling in, and he uh, he defeated. Yeah, he did. He did. So, um, rewinding the clock back to 2015. So that's we tried. There was a, a push to try to get Sweeney recalled, and and um, spoiler alert, it was a failed recall. We, didn't, we were not successful. But I, I decided I wanted to write about that. And uh, so my very, very first article on Second Amendment related um, you know, material was about Steve Sweeney and the recall election. And to me, um, writing about Steve Sweeney and the recall election and why it was all important wasn't really just about Steve Sweeney and just about his recall. It was about it was about New Jersey and it was about the state of New Jersey. And by the state of New Jersey, I mean, you know, the state that we're in and the second amendment and how um, we don't have full access to all of our rights here in New Jersey. And they're, they're very infringed upon. So to me, it was about telling a story about New Jersey and how Sweeney um, stood for everything that we needed to get rid of in the state because he was a turncoat. Uh, originally, he was, um, I think, B or A rated by the NRA. And then um, post Sandy Hook shooting, he, um, the, uh, the red shirted mothers got a hold of him or whomever and um, got him starting to support measures that the NRA would not say makes you an A rated you know, legislator mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so he turned, he turned his, his back on, um, on the, the gun owners in New Jersey. So it was, um, an article that I, I wrote that probably came out to be somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe six or 7,000 words, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's a lot of material, Rob. It's not, (laughs) That's not something that most people have an attention span for. What, what's the average length uh, for an article? Would you say if 6,000 is a, a small novel, what would yeah. be the average, you know, uh, bearing arms article or something along those lines that people see on a regular basis? That's tough to say as well, because I still overwrite at bearing arms. So I'm overwriting probably in the neighborhood of 1500 words, still kind of long. Um, uh, Tom, night and he keeps his stuff i think real tight around 700 words so uh, you know i always joke around i can't even say hello in 700 words so it's difficult for me to <laughs> try to put stuff to to the page so i've had to work on getting my material you know more narrowed down um 
so I had this, this article, you know, um, and I, I sent it back off to the, to the editor and, uh, I got no reply. And then, you know, I was like, all right, well, let's give the guy some time, maybe a few days, maybe a week, you know? So I waited a, a bit and I emailed him back and then there's no reply. And I'm like, huh, oh, what the hell is this all about? So, um, I just kind of like started looking around to see what else was available. I had this article that was, you know, wickedly long, but I thought it was pretty good. And, um, that's when I had reached out to ammo land. Okay. So I ended up on the phone with, with Freddie real from ammo land. And, um, he's a Jersey guy. The ammo land was originally a Jersey publication. Everything was here in Jersey. And, uh, so I felt kind of kindred and I said, Hey, you know, you're here in Jersey. So, yeah. And, uh, I explained to him that I had written this piece. I said, well, I, you know, I answered this ad for this other publication. I said, I sent it to him. I said, maybe we should wait a little, a little while until, you know, you know, give the guy an opportunity to see if he wants to run with it or reply or whatever. So Freddie and I waited a, a little bit and then, um, I said, forget it. I says, if you like the piece, you know, can, you know, run with it if you like it. And he, uh, he's like, you're right. It's long. I told him, I was like, oh, it's long. He goes, yeah, it's, it's long. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, he ran with it and, um, you know, it was kind of earlier on, you know, Amelan's huge. Now Amelan is very huge right now. So back then, um, they were still big, um, but not as big as they are now. And he, he ran with it. So I was like, okay, so this, this is telling me that my work is, is, is worth something at least to, to somebody. Right. And, um, it's not like I was prolific and I started pumping out a, a ton of articles. That's not how this went down. I mean, I would, I would work on one every so often and then you know, shop it out. And, uh, Freddie had, um, published a few things here and there over the years. Like you're talking about a few articles a year. And then I, you know, I broadened my, um, submissions to other publications as well. And, um, that's when I had gotten work into eventually into, into bearing arms. I had gotten a piece into bearing arms and it was a New Jersey related piece. Um, and um, I think it was last year, it was mid, mid 2020. So it's like right after the book came out. So the book came out June 1st, 2020. And um, uh, Freddie had gotten in touch with me. And at that point, you know, I'd still send off my work to, to ammo land. And um, he had a couple of ideas that he wanted to run past me. And, kind of brought me on now into the, you know, into the masthead as a writer. So it's like, I do write for Amalan and it's like, I was published in Amalan. Now it's like, I write for Amalan, you know, and uh, pretty much get to write whatever I want. <laughs> uh, every so often I'll get an assignment and I'll say, Hey, you want to write about this, but it's never like the pressure's on. Like, if you don't want to do it, you do it, mm-hmm. don't do it. But Amalan's a very, very unique publication and that um, everybody's, you know, very close and, and the other writers are fairly close too. So we all stay somewhat in contact. I'm not shy to <clears throat> reach out to another writer that's an Amalan writer and say, hey, man, what's what's up with this? Or by the way, I like that or whatever. So that had happened. And then, you know, since you and I, we had last spoke, uh, at least in podcast form, <laughs> we, uh, we did, this was earlier this year was probably what January, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, January. So by January, February, March, by March, I was sending more and more stuff to, to bearing arms. <laughs> and then, um, next thing, you know, I'm being invited to, to come on there as a, a quote unquote consultant. So I'm like a freelance writer, you know, bearing arms. So I went from basically having written one article in, you know, 2015 and then 
after that, maybe a second article in 2015 had some stuff published in, you know, uh, like I said, Amelan bearing arms. Um, there's the save New Jersey blog over here in New Jersey fellow that, uh, runs that Matt Rooney. He's a great guy. Um, he's published some of my work. Uh, I had a piece put into, uh, the, the truth about guns and, uh, couple other places here and there and then now it's like i said uh, talking to you i think i've written something like 200 pieces this year um which is that's a lot you know, more than 2021 <laughs> 52 weeks and um yeah you've uh, you definitely about done done yourself this year john right so um and, and it's some of it comes easy and some of it doesn't you know um, a lot of commentary. So, you know, bearing arms, I write a lot of commentary on what's going on in addition to, you know, original hard pieces. So I try you, to do Go ahead. When you, when you do the commentary, um, obviously, you know, that's your opinion, your experience and things like that. But when you do the other pieces, how much research do you do to get to get the, get the facts and, and different things along those lines? I mean, it, it all, <laughs> It all depends on the subject, of course. Um, so I write a lot about legislation. So, and, and some of that's pretty easy, believe it or not. Um, and, you know, there's the joke going around that I'm like the legislation guy <laughs> at, at Bearing Arms. And it's just somebody has to write about these bills that Congress is trying to pass or different states have going around. So something like that might, you know, that might take a little bit of research and, looking up the bills and then also former bills, right. Or other mm -hmm. current law. Um, but there's a piece, there's a piece that I have now. That's a draft. That's been a draft for about two weeks now. And it's required a lot of, um, research and finesse and it still needs to be honed. And on top of that, I'm also waiting on, um, a source to get back to me on whether or not they want to answer my questions. Um, I think that I've gotten my answer now that they're not going to. So I have to take a, you know, a step back and see what I want to do with this piece. Um, but that one had had, you know, hours, hours and hours and hours of research put into it. So mm -hmm. is it something that I want to abandon? Not necessarily, you know, um, sometimes you're doing stuff that's very statistically driven. So, you know, the FBI uniform crime code, uh, those statistics, you know, that they were talking about when they came out in September for 2020, right. And all these murders and stuff like that and uptick and violent crime in 2020 and property crimes were down. Um, you know, you start to get more and more familiar with, some of these sources and trying to, you know, reference them. So the, the, it, it, it all depends. The, the short answer is it depends. It could be a little, and it could be a ridiculous amount. And it's not like you get anything more out of an article that, you know, if I spent an hour working on something or a half an hour working on something, it's not like the reader is going to get more out of, the article that was written that's taken four hours to to put together other than the work that went into it. It's just there, you know, is 1500 words is 1500 words, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, when you're talking about readers and things like that, or even editors, what I would imagine your editor, you know, early on probably gave you a lot of feedback about, Hey, I'd like to like to be on a little bit different angle or you need to, you know, expand upon this point to give yourself a better basis. But do you do now that you're, you know, doing stuff for bearing arms, uh, do you get that much feedback from them? And, and the other part of the question is also, you know, what, how much feedback do you get from the readers themselves? Okay. Those are great questions. I, <laughs> I, um, I used to get more, I don't know why, but I used to get, you know, and I say, don't know why in a sense of like now, um, I used to get more feedback from editors, you know, earlier on. 
And by earlier on, I really mean, you know, earlier this year, you know, slash last year, you know, we're not talking about earlier on. It's like I said, you know, 20, 20 years to get to this point. Right. And now early on is just, you know, <laughs> earlier this year, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just earlier on with, with these, you know, established, you know, publications. Um, and now I get so little feedback about stuff that I don't, you know, you, you start questioning yourself. You're like, well, why am I not getting feedback about this other than, you know, this is good. And then, you know, you carry on to the next thing. So uh, it's the type of thing, I guess, if there's no problem, you know, you know, why, you know, call attention to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now the readers, uh, that's, that's uh, a whole different bowl of wax. And it, it all depends because I'll have people that will go through the trouble that it's like, okay, if you read my article, if it's on bearing arms or if it's on, you know, Amalem, um, on bearing arms, the, the byline, well, both of them, the bylines where it says my name um, is towards the top. And then you could click on that and then it would take you to my page and that my page, it will have my little bio and um, all the articles that I've written for, you know, either Ammo Land or Bearing Arms, right? And then um, you have that bio and that bio, it talks about, you know, John's this, that, the other thing. And then you could go on his, his web page, which is johnpetrolino.com, you know, super original. It works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you could go to my web page if you want to learn more about me. So if you hop over to johnpetrolino.com, there's a contact block. You could go click on that, and then you end up in a, in a form where you can contact me. I do get people that go through the trouble to find my name, click on it, read my bio, find my website, figure out where the heck I'm at, and then send me an email. And um, I've had, you know, I've had some great feedback from people. I've had. Um, a lot of people watch, <laughs> a lot of people like to see, uh, like to watch your errors, you know, they'll to be like, Oh, you made this mistake. It's like, well, you know, you're only human. You know, I could sit there and revise a piece and read it three or four times and still miss the same mistake three or four times. Um, and same thing with the editor ends, you know, the editor could read right over it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but every once in a while, you'll, I will get some really, you know, phenomenal, well thought out, um, feedback. And then also there's the times that I get people that'll, that'll write. And it's like, man, this guy's on another planet. I said, you know, thank you for your commentary. And then we just kind of move on from there, you know, but I try to respond to every single email that I ever get. Um, every single direct message I try to respond to, um, somebody has got to be really, really far out for me to like start ignoring them. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I would say, you know, I don't get a lot of, uh, fan mail email, uh, but when do make sure I respond to it, make, you know, some of them are show suggestions. Some of them are just people, you know, quite frankly, you know, some of the ones I'm really honored for are the ones that people are asking for advice on how they can do this or that, you know, being a new instructor and such. And that, um, you know, means you know, they've listened to the podcast and they've got some good, well thought out questions and they want some input, you know, from an experienced instructor and they consider myself experienced, even, even though I'm going through and doing the podcast to learn as much as I can from all the other experts in the industry. Yeah, no. And it it is, it is a good feeling for sure. I, I had a guy reach out to me the other week. I had written a piece about, um, felons, and the actual, the title of the article, I was just talking about this earlier today on a radio program and it's the, the article's called, at what point should a felon no longer be a felon? So I'm talking about this whole process of, you know, if people have paid their debt to society, you know, at what point are we able to say, Hey, they've really paid their debt to society. Right. Mm-hmm. And we could, that's going into the weeds. We could talk about that for hours. Uh, but I had a guy re- reach out to me, says, Hey, you know, do you know anything about the process of expungement? And, you know, I've got this felony in this state and blah, 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 blah. And the guy's telling me his whole story. Like, I, 
I have no idea how to expunge a, a <laughs> felony in the state of New Mexico. So, uh, but here's my advice. And, you know, I, 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 I gave him my advice and said, hey, this is where I would go to look because he was having a hard time finding attorneys that would even want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe it's not a money maker or all that exciting, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll get emails like that. People asking for advice, just the same and, um, try to do my due diligence to say, Hey, you know, maybe this is a direction to, to look at, um, to, to help you with your problem. And, or if I just flat out don't know, I'll say, I don't know, you know? Um, but again, I try to give people direction, you know? Yep. Well, I think it's the best we can do because, you know, we don't know all the specifics of that person at the same time, you know, we're not attorneys or, you know, experts and things like that. And we definitely don't want to give you bad advice. So if it's just, you know, consult a pay an attorney for it, you know, that is <laughs> the best advice we can give you because what we say, you know, doesn't hold any water in the court of law. That's for that's, sure. Yeah. I, that's my, my famous line is I'm not an attorney, nor am I a paid attorney spokesperson, you know? So <laughs> you just, what I have to say about this is, you know, you need to get, you know, a licensed attorney to give you the advice that you're looking for. So John, to boil down what we've been talking about, because we're coming up to uh, the time, uh, end of the show here a little bit for new, somebody who wants to get there, get published and such your first thing start writing, keep writing, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> start writing and keep writing. Yeah. The, good, the right? good thing about that, I think now is, you know, you can literally go, go to WordPress and create your own website and, exactly. be able, and be able to generate some traffic with that. And then once you are getting some traffic, then you're, then you're able to go along and maybe, um, you know, promote that to some of the other bigger web, uh, websites that might want to go along and be the first publisher of your work. If you've got, you know, interesting articles, if they're well thought out, those types of things, uh, for it. And then the last one is, um, you know, just keep plugging at it and, um, you know, it, you know, realize it's a journey. Uh, if I go along and tell people, if you listen to the first 10 episodes of this podcast, they make me cringe sometimes because I don't think I did as good as job as what I'm doing now. But now as we're, you know, closing in on episode 200, uh, for that, you know, the episodes are better, um, you know, better prepared for it. I think I've got, you know, more focused guests and it makes the, makes things, uh, better all the way around. And that's, you know, realize it's a journey and not, not just a, you know, simple process to where you, you put a hat on and all of a sudden one day you become a published author or podcaster. <laughs> right. It's, and that's the, again, back to, you know, tw 20 years to be an overnight success. And that's not to say that I'm, I'm successful. Um, you know, I just feel like, Hey, I'm getting my stuff published and that's, you know, pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. after spending so much time trying to do it and, you know, here we are and, and you hit the nail on the head, you just go out there, you can start a WordPress. So there's nothing stopping you. And that would be my advice to people that, um, you know, if you're going to get out there and you want to write and you want to write about the gun stuff and you want to get into this and you want to get into the second amendment stuff, um, you could start your own blog and, uh, you know, that's something that's very easy to do. It's free. There's very successful people out there that aren't just quote unquote bloggers. Um, there, that are straight up journalists that use the blogging, you know, format um, to get their messages across and out there. And then also the other thing that's out there is Substack, which is, um, a semi paywall site where you can go ahead and, you know, same type of thing, publish your work out there. Anybody could read it, but there's also a paywall where subscribers can get access to certain material that non-subscribers can't. And this is something that was never available when I was, you know, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. there was no Substack. This wasn't a thing. Blogging was a thing. I didn't blog. I mean, I was doing the, the poetry thing, creative writing, but I mean, it's all writing. It all adds to your corporal knowledge. Uh, but th those two things that, that, that you have available and you're, you're talking about zero overhead, you know, a blog or a sub stack, um, very, very wonderful ways to, to break on through. And there's nothing stopping you from, you know, covering anything that you want to cover. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Great, great advice. And for those uh, that are listening, they're thinking about getting in the publishing world, um, jump in. You know, the worst thing, worst thing that uh, could happen is uh, somebody goes along and tells you they don't like your, your article. And then guess what? That's feedback that you can grow from and figure out, you know, what articles do get read, you know, what, you know, does allow you to get connected, connect it with the community. And that's all uh, part of, part of the writing process and, you know, journalistic process also. Oh, absolutely. So. For sure. Well, John, um, all our guests have been answering the question about, do you have a book that you want to recommend to our listeners or a uh, instructor that you think they should uh, check out from their perspective to, you know, be a well-rounded, uh, well-rounded uh, trainer. And I guess instructor and uh, book could also include maybe some of the journalist type of things that you've uh, been, been talking about on here. So when I was last on your show, I had an opportunity to tease a book that wasn't out yet. So this was January. Um, and the book is Crime Proof by Anthony Calandro. And I do believe that you had him on the show somewhat recently, correct? Yes, just a couple of weeks ago. And he is being published on uh, December 20th. So you can go back to season two, episode 16, to listen to his uh, episode um, if you're interested in that. Very good information, Anthony brought. Yep. So Anthony's book is Crime Proof. And, uh, Rob, you had an opportunity to read the book, correct? Yes. So what did you think about the book? Well, I would go along and, you know, I've teaching for the last 10 years, uh, self-defense, uh, crime prevention strategies. He brought up a lot of new uh, ideas on how to be uh, more creative. Um, part of, part of where I thought was really good is he's got a big part when it comes to the technology side of things, because sure. that's, let's face it. Um, you look at technology and a couple of years ago, everybody's worried about Facebook and then you got Instagram, Twitter, we've got, um, uh, all these different apps that keep popping up and how do you stay up to date on which one is, uh, you know, good and which one's not good and, and what information do you share? When do you share it? Uh, those are all things that unfortunately are not going to go away. Um, you know, and those, but we need to be very aware of it, make our students aware of it so that they're not taken advantage of by criminals, because just because we've got an antivirus program loaded under our, our computer doesn't mean the criminals now are going out of business. It just means they're changing their ways. And that's where, when it comes to crime prevention and I liked uh, Anthony's crime proof book, uh, gives you those modern ways of how to go along and stay safe. Absolutely. I mean, you just, you, you did the whole review for me, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's, and he's, he's a hell of a nice guy. Great book, great facility, uh, uh, gun for hire at the Woodland park range. Um, and he touches on these topics and these things that, um, you know, like for example, the, the color code of awareness, which you're very familiar with through Mm -hmm. USCCA, um, and others are uh, that you know aren't into the USCCA classes might be aware of the color code from you know Colonel Jeff Cooper, who's the one that developed the color code. Um, and it's a reinvigorated, um, you know, relaunch of the color code and looking at some of this material through a brand new lens for today's uh, standard. And also with his um, years of experience, his 30 to 40 years experience, you know, involved in this game. Um, And he put that into the book. And like you said, the crime awareness and um, the techniques and the things that you learn um, Mm -hmm. from his material. And there's a lot of aha moments where you're like, ah, I never thought about that. And I think that's what's really great about Anthony's book is it gets you thinking. Yeah. You know, none of those books will prevent crime. It makes you aware of what could, what could make you a victim of a crime. So you can go along and hopefully be prepared that they select somebody else who's not as prepared as you are. They could, you know, they still can go along and victimize you, but you reduce your chances again of uh, having those kind of problems. So very good. Well, thanks for your time uh, today, uh, John. Last question I have for you. Where can people find more information about John Petrolino? 
Uh, as I said before, the super original website of johnpetrolino.com. So that's J-O-H-N-P-E-T-R-O-L-I-N-O.com. And, and that's kind of my home base. You could get to my, um, my Twitter there and my Instagram. Like I said, those are um, open to the public. So, you know, go and follow along if you're so inclined. Um, again, Decoding Firearms, my book uh, on, you know, basic gun safety and use. It's available on Amazon. Uh, if you don't wish to buy from Amazon, you can go to the Woodland Park Range, Gun for Hire, the Woodland Park Range. Anthony does sell it um, online through his e-commerce store because um, he, he stocks the book. So he has it there available. So if you want to buy it there and uh, you could find me at bearingarms.com or uh, over at Amoland. And uh, so if you're going to be at bearingarms.com forward slash author forward slash John dash Petrolino, and that would take you right directly to my byline. And same thing with Amoland, be amoland.com forward slash author uh, forward slash J Petrolino III. Um, but you can find both of those places on my website as well. And again, I have a contact me page on my website. So people that uh, have questions or if you have story ideas or news tips, please do reach out to me. I'm always happy to get email, um, you know, about what's going on in the world. Super. Well, thanks, John. That's a wrap for this episode. And let's announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Pam D. And they want a palm pepper spray unit. Pam, keep your eyes on your email for a email from concealcarry.com for getting your prize. Next week, we'll be giving away a Pitbull Tactical Universal mag pouch. Works great with double stack and single stack magazines. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com enter in for our weekly prize giveaway remember each week to enter in because entries do not carry over from week to week remember to check our website where you can search for various topics on how to get started with the website to earning extra money through affiliate marketing if you have any ideas for new episodes suggestions on guests to have or feedback please email me ftp at concealedcarry.com check out the other concealedcarry.com podcast the original concealed carry dot com podcast with riley bowman or the off-duty on-duty podcast brian eastridge visit our sponsors especially the firearms trainers association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage remember to use promo code ftp10 for 10 percent off we bring this podcast support in the industry the second amendment and most importantly every firearm instructor in america that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable stay safe everyone Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.